Hey, sci-fi fans. This is Sean Ashmore from the X-Men Films. You may know me as Bobby Drake, and you're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. If you like what we're serving here at the Sci-Fi Diner, feel free to leave us a tip at patreon.com backslash sci-fi. And by Audible. Get a free audiobook when you sign up today. Audibletrial.com backslash sci-fi diner. And that's spelled S-C-I-F-I. None of this Y business. Engage. Science fiction is an existential metaphor. It allows us to tell stories about the human condition. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, where we serve up interviews, news, and our view on the world of science fiction. Come, grab a chair, and enjoy the conversations. I think we've got an unexpected guest. Rose, where we're going, we don't need Rose. Yes, who's coming to dinner? Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And good evening, I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. Hi, I'm M. Sierra Garcia. And I'm Dave Sellers. And it's exciting to be Dave. back. Yay, everyone. We have a bunch of people here. Chrissy's not with us tonight because we're recording on an off night and uh, her real job actually happens on this off night. So, um, but the rest of us could do it. So we're recording a show and we're excited about the show because this is our first, what type of show is this, Miles? Um, it's our Sci-Fi Rewind and we're going back and looking at... Uh, pilots. Pilots yeah. uh, from classic sci-fi pilots. shows we know and love from... In this case, a couple decades ago. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we aren't necessarily locked into a certain time period for doing it. We're just uh, looking at pilots that we want to do that uh, when we threw up the poll that you wanted to do as listeners. And uh, so we're going to start that tonight and chat about that. And uh, what is the one, Miles, that we are doing tonight? Uh, Stargate SG-1, Children of the Gods. So just to be aware, it was a two-part episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a double episode, and uh, some of the some of the pilots are that we, we do that way. So, so that's pretty awesome. So we'll be talking about that in a little bit. But before we do that, let's catch up. Cool, absolutely. Em, if I, if I put you in the spot here, you want to tell us a little bit about what's going on in your sci-fi world? Sure, sure. Um, so I saw Spider-Man like a million times because it was super cute. And then it seemed that like I ran out of time to do fun stuff because I missed out on um, Toy Story 4, which is amazing, apparently. And there's a couple other movies that have all yeah. come out that is that are kind of amazing. And sorry, my computer just started talking to me. Stop it. <laughs> um, so um, my sci-fi world has been kind of limited when uh, What's-His-Face just dropped. Uh, Endgame just dropped digitally. This week, last week, so I watched it, you know, a couple dozen times, and that's always good. Um, but I'm kind of craving, I'm craving a series. I'm craving a book series. I just finished going through all the Piers Anthony's books. The um, is it Piers Anthony, all, where he does like Death and Mother Nature, that series. Um, I finished digging through those, and I'm kind of craving a good sci-fi, more fantasy than, than sci-fi, or like. I'm craving a good series that I can sink my teeth into. So my, my, my time is limited. Um, there's, as far as TV goes, I watched the last, I did catch up on uh, agents of shield. I still don't know what's going on. Um, and 
they're coming back, I guess, because the one of the showrunners tweeted uh, or Instagrammed a picture of the set saying, see you next summer. Is that? Yeah, I, I think I, I heard. Did, did, did they come out of Comic Con that they said they were doing one more season? Yes. So they're going to wrap things up in season seven. Yeah. So they've got seven seasons. Super jazzed for. Okay. Oh, cool. Um, super, super jazzed for um, for Picard. And then I started watching The Boys, the show about, you know, about normals taking down ruthless supers and it just got weird and i'm a, i like i don't know i want to finish watching it but it and it's good but it's just so weird like i don't i think because i'm so steeped in marvel and dc and i love my superheroes and i want them to be you know like marginally humanistic but still like but these supers are like they're a-holes they're awful they're aren't disgusting they? people <laughs> mm-hmm. They're so awful, especially like the lead one who I thought, oh, the first episode was like, oh, you know what? He's probably the outlier. That's the good one because I knew the premise. But man, I was I was really I wasn't sure what to do with that. And with the announcement of Brendan Routh coming to now playing a second role in the CW's DCU as he's reprising his role as as Superman um, in The Flash, I think. I am going to go back and I'm going to watch. I, I know that I broke up with the CW last fall. I think I'm going to sit through and watch and just at least get myself caught up so that when Brandon Routh plays two different characters, um, it'll be fine. And I'm really, I was tech, uh, chatting with my friend, Bonnie, who was writing the story. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm itching for the, I'm itching for the moment when someone goes, you look really familiar. And then someone throws a comment about the different verses and then they just move on. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. That's, that's, that's all I've really had a whole lot of time for. I don't know if you want to consider um, the handmaid's tale as sci-fi fantasy, but it is like, it is a little, it's getting a little sci-fi and weird and just too close. Like some, some stuff going on in the world is too close to what's going on in that show. So it's weird <laughs> me out. Um, and that's it really just kind of catching up on everything that was spat out of, uh, San Diego comic-con. Absolutely. Let me ask you a question. You, you saw, um, Spider-Man and, uh, so like far from as far from home and homecoming, uh, when you look at the two together, how, how are you comparing these are different movies, obviously, but how do you feel about this movie compared to the first one? You obviously liked it if you saw a couple times, but it's a, it's a good follow-up. It's super cute. It's really, I like the, I like what's going on with him and MJ. I did not like the bad guy that much because. Mysterio, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He was like the Joker, like from, um, from Batman, from the uh, uh, Michael Keaton Batman where, or not Michael Keaton, it was Val Kilmer, Val Kilmer's Batman. Um, where the Joker got fired and then he came back and like wrought havoc all, all, all over the place. And I felt like Mysterio did the same thing. He was just such, he, it, I didn't love him and I couldn't, I was happy to see him gone, but eh, I can live without him. And I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, have you guys, have we done the review of Spider-Man yet? No. And uh, we, we, I don't know that we, we okay. were planning on doing it, but. 
I haven't seen it yet. Okay. Well, and I'm okay when, if you spoil it. When Samuel, okay. When Samuel Jackson comes on with Agent Hill, and they're just not normal. They're not themselves. And I thought this just feels weird to see the reveal at the end. Like it even makes a comment. Like I had no idea how many Kree were still on this planet. Um, I thought that's a really weird thing for him to be talking. But and Marvel, Captain Marvel was so long ago for him. Like I don't get. So the reveal that they were actually Cree made me super happy. And then they on the the little the little trail at the end with the um, when um, when when Fury is sitting there and I started giggling. And I went oh, Tahiti and. Two other people laughed with me. Again, thank you, Agents of Shield Watchers. Yeah. Um, and then revealed that he was on the Cree ship. I'm so stoked for this next um, for this next like ten years of what the MCU is going to be. Very awesome. Um, by the way, two books. That's all. I thought I didn't have a lot to say. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. I have two <laughs> book suggestions for you. You're looking for books. Okay, go for um, it. So if you're looking for a series, now this one's sci-fi, but the reader of this, so I listened to him on Audible, the, the reader of this series sounds like the guy from The Martian. I don't think Ooh. it is the same guy, um, but it's a series called Expeditionary Force. It's series written by uh, Craig Allison. And it is the same. Re- it's the same reader. It is. I know this book. Yeah. So, yeah. but this book is, so once you get through the first half of the first book, the book really takes off because they have okay. they have a they 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 have an he the, the main character encounters an AI that's an asshole basically and uh, awesome and it, it is a, it sets up is it's hilarious it's great it's uh, funny but it's also uh, it's a good story it's you know a space opera but it's it's good it's a good story a little bit of military bent to it but. And then the other one, Expeditionary Force. Yeah, Expeditionary Force series. Okay. Yeah, okay. and it, there's tons of books. I mean, he's uh, he's up to book nine. So okay. And then, and then the other one, if you're looking for a fantasy book, the Priory of the Orange Tree is a wonderful fantasy book, but it's just a one-off. Priory. The Orange Tree. So. I'll give that a look. See. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Very cool. Um, it is the same reader because I went looking for more books with his voice because he's a he's a delightful narrator. Oh. Narr- narr- he's a delightful reader. Right. <laughs> so I, I, it's the same dude. So I'm super jazzed. I'm yeah. glad that you like it. Yeah, no, it's one of the things when you started reading, I'm like, oh, well, this sounds like Martian. I'm totally into this. <laughs> so. Miles, how about you? What's going on in your sci-fi world? So. Some, there are some shows that are on my radar. I'm not necessarily caught up um, with, with so, but shows that are on my radar that I'm watching when I can. The 100 Marvel Agents of Shield, Krypton, Killjoys. Uh, what I did watch though was Another Life, uh, starring Katie Sackoff on Netflix. I thought that was that was very enjoyable, very plausible view of what the space program might evolve to in a couple hundred years, maybe. I watched Spider Man Far From Home a couple weeks ago, and I loved it also. Uh, I watched the first episode of The Boys. I'm stopping after episode one. It's just these guys are just awful, terrible people. And I don't mind my my superheroes being a little dark and cynical, but this is just a little too over the top for me. So I I don't know if I'm going to come back to this or not. I did watch – oh, go ahead, Em. 
Oh, sorry. I will. F I I'm committed to finishing watching it. Um, I will happily like. I will happily fall on that sword for everybody and let you know, like, give you a synopsis. They there there is a decent comeuppance that happens so far. That's happened so far, but um, uh, I I I will. Because I know your sensibilities. You're a sweet guy. And if it starts getting really creepy, I'm not letting you watch it. <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, th these people just seem irredeemable. I mean, they're just they're just awful, terrible people. Um, and I, I guess that's part of their charm uh, for this show. But, yeah, they did, they really they outdid themselves. I started what, what I've gotten into Outlander. That's on Netflix now. The first two seasons are at least. That's interesting. It's time travel fantasy. I don't know. Em, have you checked out Outlander at all? <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> well, when you started speaking Scottish earlier, I uh, that, that started, I started thinking of Outlander. Um, it, so I'm going to warn you, it's a little bit of lady porn. It's like very mild. <laughs> yeah. Like every, there's there's a lot of people getting laid. I'm not going to lie. Mm -hmm. um, at least somebody well, is. Not a lot. There's a few. There's there's some people getting a lot of laid, and then there's a lot of people getting sort of laid. But it's all, like, very tasteful, like, lady porn is the best term I can come up with. Well, Sorry. No, lady porn as, as opposed to... So, dude. Miles, you're watching lady porn. All right, nice. Yeah, dude porn, I guess. Miles, I commend you for watching the show because... Many a man has read, written about this show, how it's changed, how they how they talk to their partner and how they treat their partner, because it's really um, it's really written in a very cool way. OK, so you're uh, I you, I hope you enjoy it. It's really cool. I, I am enjoying it. I've watched the first three episodes. I, I love the. The clash of the fe I forget the female character's name off, but her, her you know. Her worldview, her values versus people 200 Claire. years ago. Claire. You know, just, Claire Beecham. You know, it's just, just, just watching her deal with, you know, you know her, her worldview and dealing with these people 200 years in the past. But it's also, you know, her, her husband in, in, in her present is, is a – History professor, and and she's actually learned and gleaned some of that, and used that to her advantage a few times in this. Right. And so, no, so far it's pretty good. Um, I, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, as far as what I'm reading, I just finished reading Dayton Ward's novel Available Light. Finished it today, actually. I, I purchased um, the Stargate SG One novel in Infiltration uh, that just came out uh, recently. Also, um, if uh, if you need more Captain Pike and the crew of the Enterprise from the Dis from Discovery, there's a novel that's dealing with what he was doing during the whole Klingon War. Um, the author is actually at uh, Shore Leave. Um, I think I think the, the 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 paperback of the book premiered at Shore Leave the, the, this year. So, but I'm reading the digital copy. So the, the, I'm reading Star Trek uh, Discovery: of The Enterprise War right now. Very good. Nice. Very good. Awesome. Dave, how about you? What's going on in your sci-fi world? Well, I just finished reading Thrawn Treason. I've not read it yet. Another, but I'm looking forward well, to another it. wonderful Timothy Zahn novel. Um, yeah, it was it was really good. good. Really good. Look, looking forward to it. Yep. 
Um, I started watching, maybe it was Miles who said about it the last time, Another Life on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. I'm about four or five episodes into that now, I think. And it's kept my attention. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. Interesting premise. Um, yeah, so far, so far, so good. Um, you guys really have made me want to start watching the boys. <laughs> it, uh, I, I don't think I sold quite intriguing. I don't think I sold it that well, but yeah. Well, yeah, you, you did. Cause I have to see this. Just have to see this now. All right. Um, yeah. <laughs> Other than that, I got uh, I got the Enterprise War on the queue to start listening to. As soon as I get time at work again, whenever that winds up being. <laughs> um, and then I've been neck deep into Star Wars: Old Republic, playing that again. So, yeah, that's been about it. Very cool. Very cool. Well, my sci-fi world, so uh, as I mentioned to uh, Emma a little bit earlier, but I am reading the series Expeditionary Force, and I'm in the third book of that series right now. Uh, So I've actually tabled Thrawn because I'm so into this series right now. and uh, I'm going to have to, my next book has to be an Expanse book that I'm reading for another podcast that I'm doing. I'm going to be rereading it. but that's on my reading. I'm also reading Armada again with Kiefer. This will be the second time we listen to it. Listen to Ready Player One, I think, four times, and he's we're going on a second time through Armada. And just really enjoying it. He says, I just love Will Wheaton the way he reads. <laughs> so that was uh that was Kiefer. Um Oh, I love I do too. I'm with Kiefer on that. Oh, me too. I, I, I do like his reading. I said, I can introduce you to some of his other readings too. Uh, a little bit later. So that's what I've been. Um, that's what I've been reading. I've also been. Uh, I took Kiefer today. We have in this little town of Ephrata that we live near. There is a new museum that opened up called Gameseum, and what it is is about um, forty arcade games, like retro arcade games from the early eighties, late seventies, um, and pinball machines. And you you go in there and you pay like one price and you can play as long as you want. And it's uh, sweet. It is. It was it was very cool. Now Kiefer, I took. Oh him my there. god, that is insane! I know. So it's Game Zium is the name of the place. It's in Aphrodite. If you ever get up this way, it'd be uh, a place to check. And they they have about seven or eight games that they're currently restoring, um, and then a bunch that you can play. And they have some like real old style like. 70s style uh, pinball machines that are really that are the older ones, like n- not as electronic, and it's really cool. It's really cool to see and to play on the stuff. So, so we did that this afternoon. Um, watched obviously Children of the Gods, prepping for this episode. Began watching Good Omens and loved it. Loved it. <laughs> it's so good. It is. I'm not finished with it yet, but it's classic Tenet, um, and it's. <laughs> And this whole like petition that people were signing, Miles, I, I drug Miles in to watch first twenty minutes or thirty minutes of the first episode, and it's it's just fun. Like it's not meant to be taken seriously at all. What petition? Well, there there was a petition to cancel it. Um, what? You didn't see this? I'm like the people were there were outcries on, um, about about this show. 
I forget how. Because of G- because of God and the angels and Satan and all that stuff. Yeah. So a Christian group. So there's basically it was a Christian group that has put together a petition to cancel this show, a uh, Good Omens, um, and they demanded that the show be completely removed. And then Amazon and Netflix had some fun with it, saying that they would agree to can't like Amazon said we agree to cancel Good Omens if Netflix cancels this show. And it was just kind of this. It ended up being like a tongue-in-cheek thing, but so I'm, 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 a, I'm a I'm a Christian, right? And I, I looked at this show, and I and there in no way from the get-go do I ever take this serious, and nor do I take it as a slam against Christianity. It's just a show. It's a story, you know, playing with, uh, you know, the biblical mythos, right? A little bit. So I don't know. I mean, what, what little well, I saw, I thought was funny. You- Father Whitestone and I talked about this show. He loved it. We, we know. So here, I mean, he, here's here's this group. I don't know what this uh, group is called, but actually they're called Return to Order is the name of this, the group. But they said that it makes a mockery of God's order and religion. And then God is voiced by a woman and angel and demon are good friends. And the Antichrist portrayed as a normal kid that has special powers. and I think they had some of those hangups, but for me, like that's all just it was. It was just good storytelling. It wasn't like I didn't in any way say that this was somehow trying to pervert religion. It was just telling a story, right? Did they have a problem with Lamb? Because Lamb, I mean, Lamb blatantly talks about JC between childhood. And when he when he shows back up when he's thirty, so like that book, which hasn't been made into a TV show or anything, this book has been around for ages. They're just lazy. You know what? The mm, I'm gonna get out of my soapbox. All right, all right. So whatever. Regardless. So because of this, I'd I, 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 I'd heard this going on, and I said I really want to watch a show, and I watched it, and I loved it. Like it was funny. It's engaging. It's it's Terry Pratchett. Well, yeah, and Neil, and Neil Gaiman. And I Neil mean, Gaiman. right, right. So whatever. Anyways, Philistine. <laughs> Anyways, I'm enjoying the show. The other thing I watched. Yay! The other thing that I watched with Kiefer this afternoon. I know the movie did not get a lot of love in theaters, but I did enjoy it. Was Pixels. Um. And uh, yeah, yeah, it, it was just a fun. Like, okay, certainly not the best movie out there, but I enjoyed it. It was fun. It was fun to see them play in the '80s universe again. You know, um, made the reasons that I love Ready Player One, which is by far a better story, um, were some of the reasons I like Pixels. You know, the nostalgia of some of the things they were talking about. So, oh wow, so. this. I mean, this movie was terrible. Uh, it was, but. But I did it. But, but in a fun way. But yeah. So like I went in like I didn't go for any depth and it was it was it was it was, it was okay. It was neat to see all the cameos in it. And I forgot um, Peter Dinklage was in it. Yeah, so was Sean Bean. Oh my god. Did he die? Uh no, he didn't, surprisingly. Um Serena Williams was in it. Um Martha, Martha Stewart, Stewart was it. in it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they've also like uh, like Tyrion Lannister's character wants to have like a three-way with him. It's 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 just hilarious. So, but but I, anyways, so we watched Pixels and really enjoyed that. Um, 
what else have I been watching? A um, little bit of Hell on Wheels every so often. And um, you really need to watch season two of Discovery. I know it didn't. Oh, mm-hmm. so good. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. You, you, I mean, so good. What? Why we're loving the Captain Pike? I mean, yeah. if you know. Yeah. So, anyways, um, that, heartbroken. There's an article that. Oh, sorry. There's oh, an article ahead. that came out yesterday that Anson Mont said he would gladly do a um, a Captain Pike spinoff. Good. Well. And I I think we should someone should kickstart that like immediately. There, there's already. I mean, there's a there's a there's a face group book group uh, um, about telling CBS we want our Captain Pike series. So there is there's movement on the interwebs. Um, I, I I think they're shouting what 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 we want as far as that goes. Um, <laughs> so it was it was funny. Um, there's a picture of Jonathan Frakes. Uh, I mean, it, is, it doesn't have to do with Pike. It has to do with Picard. But he, he wears a T-shirt says, "I signed an NDA, so I can't answer your questions." No, nice. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, why don't we leap into the uh Before we do. Oh, go ahead. Am said something about um CW's next big crossover with um and this this will be Crisis on Infinite Earth. It seems like they're getting everybody uh to to have a part Brandy Roush plays um the Adam on um Legends of Tomorrow, but but as M had said, he's going to be playing a Superman from another universe. Well, just recently announced that Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman on the animated series, he's going to be playing Bruce Wayne in, in some universe also. So, <gasps> uh, yeah. Um, that is so cool. The talk, the talk is Peter Wellering. He, he may play a Clark Kent from another universe or a Superman from another universe. Um, Linda Hamilton is supposed to make an appearance. Um even Burt Ward from the classic Batman series from the '60s. So this this um, Infinite Crisis is going to be huge uh, this year when this thing comes out. I'm excited for it. Fantastic. Oh my god! I just had a giant nerd aneurysm. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> it's good to be a nerd. That sounds amazing. That it is. Good. It is good to be a nerd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. And do we know when that's? I'm trying to remember. I think the fall we get um, the big crossover series because we we usually talk about it at Farpoint. So yeah, I think we'll get it sometime in the fall. All right, sounds good. Well, why don't we leap into our first of the pilot episodes as we uh, kind of look back mm-hmm. at a pilot and uh, reflect on it and also the show that followed afterwards. So do you want to give us a little bit of an introduction into this, uh, Miles, and then we'll kind of uh, leap into what it was like to rewatch this and what our thoughts are. So Colonel Jack O'Neill, with two L's, is brought out of retirement to lead a new expedition back to Abydos, only to find an old friend, a new enemy, and a farther, wider use of the Stargate. Very good. So uh, this is a little bit of a new, Miles and I were talking a little bit earlier, this is a little bit of a unique pilot. Um, many times you'll get a pilot that'll drop and it springboards the show forward. In this case, this pilot was really a continuation of a movie that had happened in in what 1996, I think it came out or something. I thought it was 94. 94. Yeah. 94. It came out on. And so like the movie came out and then, you know, years later they said, let's do a show off of it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and they, and they did a springboard of the TV series off the, uh, movies. That was kind of an interesting way to kind of, tackle it 
Before we get into the nuts and bolts of the uh, of the pilot, what did, what did you guys think? What did you guys think rewatching this pilot? How does it hold up for you? What do you do? You think it was a just an overall impression? I think of it. And Dave, can I put you on the spot first? Yeah, this was always one of my favorite sci-fi television shows. Um, mainly because it aired when I was still fairly young and growing up, but I never did get to really watch it until my adulthood, because if I'm not mistaken, until sci-fi got it, it was on like Showtime or something, wasn't it? Right. You're correct. It was behind a paywall. Right. Yeah. So it wasn't until, like I saw, I guess the first I, I ever really saw was children of the gods, but my stepdad had it on VHS and I, I watched the movie a bunch of times and saw that and like, Oh, what is this? Watched it. It was like, Oh my gosh, it's another one. This is so awesome. And then a few years later, I there bought all 10 seasons on DVD and burnt through them. I mean, it, it's, it's great. I mean, it, going back and watching it is always fun because you can really see the growth in all four of your main characters from the start until through season 10. And it, it just had, it was a lot of really good writing. Um, as the show went on, I thought it got better personally. Um, I know a lot of people have some issue with the, with the storylines towards the end of the show, but, uh, yeah, I mean, watching the pilot again, it's, it's always a pleasure to go back and watch it. Very good. Em, how about you? Going back and re-watching Children of the Gods. So I remember watching it when it came out, and I really enjoyed it. And then the three times I tried to watch it last week, I fell asleep. <laughs> um, so I'll be incredibly honest with you about that. Like, it just, like... It's a great story and it's fun and I'm really upset that the newer versions took out the MacGyver joke. Um, <laughs> that's just an injustice to nerds everywhere. Oh yeah. Um, but like it's, it's Stargate. I feel like some of the, some of the jokes will hold up. A lot of the themes will definitely hold up, but I stopped watching Stargate at like season two. Cause it just wasn't, it was wasn't clicking for me. So um, I'm not a good judge of stargating other than like the movie is one of my favorites. I think Kurt Russell was phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. Um, and that whole, the whole movie was amazing. It was, but the TV movie. show didn't have the oomph that I was hoping for. And it just, I probably just need to give it another chance. And I also need to not work so hard so that I fall asleep trying to watch. <laughs> so Full transparency. I did want to. I I do want to sit down and give it another try, um, while I'm awake with like maybe six espressos. Yeah, there you um, go. <laughs> but like, you can't go wrong. Those actors and those characters are pretty quintessential. Um, I I'm willing to give it another try. I have a bunch of rewatches to do coming up for my, my own uh, edification, but um, Stargate's on there. Yeah. To sit down and get through all ten seasons. Yeah. Is it ten or eleven? Ten. I think there were ten. Ten seasons of SG One. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We well, you know, and so I, and I'm, I'm with you a little bit. The movie for me was so good. Like I, I owned, I, owned, I think I owned like three different copies of it. 
And uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed I enjoyed the actor, the bra. I, I the whole the whole the, the acting cast of the original movie was really really good. Um, and so the premise had me. So when the series came out, like I was sold. Um, and I remember the first time watching the, and I'm thinking with you, I, Dave. I, I don't think I watched it. I either didn't watch it till it came out uh, when Sci-Fi picked it up, or I watched it by Netflixing on on DVDs. The that dates you a little bit, uh, but Netflixing and DVDs a series. Um, I may have done that when they were put out in DVD. Um, but I remember watching Children of the Gods the first time and really being thrown by by Jack O'Neill and by Daniel Jackson and the characters that replaced them because I was so used to, to watching the movie. Um, and that really threw me a little bit. Um, but going back and rewatching it again, uh, I really did enjoy it and thought that the episode as a general rule did a good job of kind of setting up and introducing us, introducing the SG-1 crew and kind of reintroducing for people that may not have seen the movie, giving us enough context to understand the story. But so I liked it. Uh, Miles, how about you? I, I had fun rewatching this. I watched, I, I have season one on DVD. I got it for Christmas a few years back and it had children of the gods. So I, I think this was the original version that I saw. Then I watched it on Amazon to compare the two because What's on streaming, it's, it's been remastered. I think they want to try to also incorporate more of Joel, Joel Goldsmith's music. And um, that's great, but they also kind of trim it down a little bit. So like the MacGyver joke is lost and a few other scenes and some good dialogue, I, I, I think, is lost out of it. But it's still very enjoyable watching even the, the, the streaming version. Um, I, I try to see what I maybe missed in the last one. And so... Just trying to watch the character dynamics between the, the characters, between Hammond and O'Neill and uh, O'Neill and Carter. I picked up more that they they they, they were letting you know that Teal's his armor was cracking slowly as far as you know supporting his his guy uh, supporting his his god Apophis right uh, throughout. You even you see it. If you're if you're watching, you could you could see it early on that he he is slowly, you know, cracking and and wavering in his um, his devotion to Apophis. Uh, I remember I I called him uh, Apophis at uh, shortly of last year, and he he had he corrected, corrected. And, corrected. and and I'm he was feeling very generous and merciful. He he didn't kill me and turn me into a pile of ash on the spot. Right, right. right. <laughs> um, and we we have that interview if you want to check that out with um. um so, but yeah, I had I had fun watching that. Um, I, I loved Hammond knows that O'Neill is less than complete in his report, and what Hammond does to solicit uh, O'Neill to tell the truth I, I, is great. It's um, you know he he as far he wants to drop another nuke through the right. Stargate and. Um, 
he, well, first he asks O'Neill, he says, did you, know, did you set off the nuke? Did you kill Ra? And he says, oh, yeah, I did. He goes, well, then you won't mind us putting another one through there just, just to make sure. And then O'Neill's like, oh, about I, that. <laughs> I may, may have, uh, I may not have had given you a complete report and, uh, you know, what that was very enjoyable watching them to kind of play this chess game and then see where Hammond's coming from as far as look, there's a threat from space. These people have advanced technology. Um, the right thing to do is drop another nuke. That's what right. he thinks at first, but then he he changes his mind. You get to see Hammond is not quite the hard ass you might think he is when you're if, if you're not familiar with him. He does have a heart, he, he is you know, right. um, he he. he he care he does care about the people in Abydos, um, but also at the same time he's 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 a, mil- he's a general and right. he's he, he's tasked with um, you know protect protecting protecting this country protecting the world whatever and so seeing where you know it, if dropping a nuke is the best course of action to ensure our protection I'll do it he's 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 very resolute uh, you th- um, but you see. He, but but then you see you know th- th- there's real people real human beings involved and he he comes along. You know it's uh, one of the things that is neat. I, I've always loved Don Davis. Mm-hmm. I think one of my first. I know he's been he was acting way before this. But one of my first encounters with him was the X Files. He does uh, Scully's, um, and then watching him in this oh, show yeah. coming coming on, and I just you know he passed just a few years ago. And uh, maybe longer than a few years ago, time has a way of doing that to you sometimes. But but I loved him as a general in here. And the other thing that was neat watching the pilot this time was thinking about all the actors that we interviewed. They were not necessarily a part of this pilot, but played into the show. Like mm-hmm. Christopher Judge, Amanda Tapping. Uh, Dean Anderson. Mr. Dean Anderson. Mm-hmm. Um, not Don Davis, unfortunately. But then but later, some of these supplemental actors. Uh, well, then Apothis, mm-hmm. you know. They were all a part of setting up this uh, this franchise for us. So, oh yeah, um, and so it's just it was just and it's um, Peter Williams. We interviewed Peter Williams. Yeah, Peter Williams. Mm-hmm. That's but, you know, it was just mm-hmm. uh, it was just a it was just a neat trip down memory lane to watch it and to kind of to to think about that a little bit. And it, it was a again, like M said, a little bit jarring to go from the movie to this, but it was a good setup for a television series. I thought it was. I'm, just, I'm talking about the opening scene. I love the opening scene. You have these airmen playing cards in, in the gate room. They don't know, you know, I'm trying to understand, are they guarding the gates? Or it's like, okay, nobody's using this room, so we're just going to play cards. And they don't even know what this thing is. Um, and uh, it's been sitting dormant for over a year, and... Start hearing, you know, the, the the female airman. She hears something going on with it, and she's the only one that has a presence of mind to at least uh, check it out. And um, just that that whole that whole opening scene, I thought you, you 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 hit the ground rolling as far as the action goes. I, um, the Jaffa coming out, um, Apophis coming out. Um, I gotta say, I, I for for this show, I, I love the gold as bad guys. They're ridiculous. They're over the top. Um, they like their bling. I mean, uh, uh, Apophis is in. He, you know, he has a gold uh, serpent outfit, and uh, of course, um, he, he's. You know, 
they, 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 they love their pageantry, they love their, their ceremonies, they love the, the worship they get from the people they subdue. They're, they're, they're awful and ridiculous, but they're, they're beautiful at the same time. They're just fantastic as far as the, 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 the bad guys for this show. They don't work in every situation, but in this show, they're perfect for it. I always loved in the original movie... Ra's helmet, how they see, I don't know if they did CGI, but however they did the way they made it come up and turn it, transform into Ra's head. Do you remember that, M? Yes. That, it, it was just, it was just awesome. And I was like, it was just so incredible. So to see them bring it in, I don't think it was done quite as effectively as the movie did it. Um, probably because of budgetary reasons, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, but, but the tech is like, you know that their their staff weapons. The uh, we didn't see the guns yet, but the the staff weapons mm-hmm. are pretty. It's pretty awesome, and the whole like hand thing that they put over someone's forehead and like knock them out or kill them or whatever they do in there. It's they, they really impressive weapon, weaponry. Oh yeah, so. well that, that that whole firefight scene. It, the first time first time you see it is 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 great. Um, it. Um, it, it it really sets things up well there. You need a good opening scene. I think that opening scene is perfect. But. Yeah. Well, very good. So uh, where do we want to take it from here? Like um, any other th- – any th- like I think one of the things we can look at is how this episode in particular we felt set up the series for us um, or for UM to set up the first two seasons for you. And uh, <laughs> uh, um and uh, and whether the pilot really did the series justice in the end, maybe is the other question that we could kind of analyze and talk about. Does that sound good? Or do sure. there, are, there are other angles we can take too? I think so. I think character dynamics are another thing. Just seeing how uh, yeah. everybody interacts with each other. Um, I, I I I thought Samantha Carter trying to get in uh, Jack O'Neill's. Good graces, trying to get his acceptance and respect. At times, she kind of banter[s] with them. Other times, you know, she tries to. It seems like to press press him with what she knows and stuff. Right. Right. I think the only character they felt was a bit stilted in this episode was Daniel Jackson's character. I felt like uh, well, he took a while to develop in the show in yeah. general. Like, and it's, it's, I, that, go ahead. I think it's, I think it was more the actor. Like, I, yes. I think he was just trying to figure out who Jack was. And I mean, James Spader is a tough act to follow. It is true. I, I saw him at Shirley this year and pretty much the direction he got was to, to try to channel James Spader. That's difficult to do too. In, in his performance. <laughs> and just be Al Pacino. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. But even he realized that would limit him in a lot of ways, and so I think he went to the the writers and just said, "I, I think we need to make help help make uh, Daniel Jackson more than what he is." As far right. as I mean, he's he's you know he's he's a geeky scientist who has allergies, and he's going to be boring after all if we just leave him that 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 way. And so we did see right. him throughout the series. Become more than what he was. I mean, he can handle a machine gun. Um, he actually, he even bulked up and worked out in the gym a lot to try to, you know, he was, he said he looked so small next to 
um, Christopher Judge and, and Richard Dean Anderson, he actually uh, went on some kind of training regiment to try to, you know, look a little more buffer, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought. Yeah, I th- and, and even, Go ahead, Dave. No, I was going to say, and even then, too, I mean, to keep his character the same dull, you know, sneezy scientist, that would have gotten old pretty quick, but it, which really makes the way his character grew you know, all that more special. I think he uh, is starting off the series with his search again for his wife who he doesn't find her again until it's a couple seasons later, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's quite a bit. I'm not mistaken. It's quite a while. So, I mean, that, that's, it's an underlying story that, that, that plays out through and, and with all, every adventure and, and every bad guy, it would be I mean, just think of the of an actual like even a real life person going through all of that. It would be impossible to stay the same going through and actually writing and and for all of them seeing that change is is one of the greatest one of the good things I like about good writing in in a long a long format show you know what that's lasted ten seasons and two movies. You really get to see it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I hear you. Now, conversely, um, Jack O'Neill's character, you know, Richard Dean Anderson, I felt like they didn't put that requirement on because I didn't feel in any way was he channeling... uh, Oh. Kurt Russell. Okay, thank I didn't feel in any way he was channeling or even trying to channel Kurt Russell's character. Well, the story is that... You know, they offered this to him and he turned it down. The, like, the, I guess the first time, maybe the second time, he mainly because of that. I mean, right. Uh, Kurt Russell played a grieving father uh, who basically took this mission because it was, you know, it was a suicide mission, basically. And that's just not, I mean, Richard Dean Anderson. I mean, right. Had, so, yeah, he had, he, had he, he made the character his own. Right. And I, and I, and I, and I liked his version of it. You know, in a lot of ways, better, better, because I felt that it was. Uh, I felt like Russell's character was a little bit too uh, one-dimensional. There wasn't a lot. Of, yes, he was grieving, but he was a little bit too hard, and I don't know. There wasn't. There wasn't a lot of depth to him, like you get. And then again, we have ten ten seasons to get depth out of, uh, uh, you know, the the character here, but. Um, I liked I liked the way Richard Dean Anderson played him a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I've kind of taken it as, you know, in in the first movie, yes, he, he was a, the character was a grieving father, but in his mission there, where he met Scara and the rest of the Abadosians or what have you, <laughs> works that he he somehow found he found something that he lost. And when he comes back, he's not as hard and suicidal as he was before he went. Because now he knows there's something. And again, it's one of those things where when you find out you're not alone in the universe, there's something bigger than you. Right. Right. How that doesn't change you at a, at a fundamental level, you know, it, it would kind of be beyond me. But so maybe, you know, I've always looked at it as okay. Dean Anderson's character is is just the 
the byproduct, the product of what the character went through in the movie. That kind of works. I mean, yeah, you're right. Um, Kurt Russell's character did kind of get his groove back a little bit. He, you know, he obviously in the movie, the original one, he didn't hate Daniel Jackson as much. In fact, uh, you know, he, he grew to respect him in the movie and uh, the way he was, the way he was fighting Rod and his forces, definitely something that changed. Right. You mentioned Skara, and I'm really glad they got the same actor to play Skara. Mm-hmm. I am too. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 minor character, but I really like, I like the way he played off of Kurt Russell, but mm-hmm. then I also like the way he uh, played in the series. Yeah. Not much, but again, a minor role, but still, it was neat to see him back. And Kowalski was the same actor too, right? No, that's that a different di- actor. Different actor. Um, but the character, but, but they brought the character f- the original movie they brought two of the original the two i guess ready ready yeah i guess only two of the soldiers survived their time at abydos and so they brought those two back right yeah well very good and as far as uh, this episode setting up the series when we think about it from that um did this did this do do we feel like people watching this got a good base for the way the series was going to go the way the teams were developed, the, the introduction of the characters. Well, yeah, the, I mean, uh, there's a conversation between uh, um, Hammond and 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 the, and the crew. Basically, Hammond says, "If it was up to me, we would just bury the bury this thing and be done with it." But the president, yeah, you know, the president wants to see what we you know what we, what we could do with it, what we could bring back, maybe, and um, so there. There, there, you know, there, there is. They already have. Okay, there's going to be SG one, SG SG two. So they are kind of already say we're going to we're going to find out this gate can take you to other places. Um. So yeah, you you kind of you kind of feel like okay, they're going to, you know, because I always wonder when I saw the first movie. Well, why didn't the, you know? It it has to go someplace else also, but but the. But, they, they could never get go anyplace else, but then Carter and uh, um, Jackson see see that um, what was that building called? Uh, um, cartouche, I forget. Yeah, the cartouche. Uh, they, they basically finding um, other addresses. Well, that and that brings up an interesting thing uh, that I thought about watching this time, and um, you'll remember this in the um, in the original Stargate movie when they uncover mm-hmm. the cover stone. There was one address, and it is the address to Abydos. And, right. And why Abydos? Like, why send them to Abydos versus when there's all these other gates out there? Certainly, Ra was not just the god of Abydos. So, I mean, he, was, he had a ship that could bounce from system to system. I'm sure he was, you know, god of multiple systems, right? So, it's, it's, right. It, it, it seems it, it just seemed... And I get why they did it. It makes the story very linear to do that and have Daniel Jackson solve the cover stone and then, hey, let's go to Abydos. Um, but it is it, – go ahead. I think it just I think it just happened to be that that gate had that address on it. And because of the inhabitants on the other side of the gate and they found the gate in Egypt and it's pretty much, you know, it's like you're stepping into the past. Um, it – 
I, I was always curious how they figured out the other addresses. If it they learned it from the other people, or is it that Teal told them? But it just I I think it just was the ease of like, look, they have pyramids, we have pyramids, let's <sighs> just do this. Yeah. Well, and I think that. I mean, in, in, in SG-1, the Children of the Gods, we do get that answer because when they get to Abydos, they find this huge chamber that has all these addresses on. So they so they do get it there, but in the original movie, they don't. They don't have anything else. Right. But, but there's one address. Hmm. I was going to say, there, there, there's, there are some differences between the, the original movie and... and and Children of the Gods and the series moving forward, but we'll, we'll, we can talk about that more a little later. I mean, they're, I, I kind of see this as almost like a soft reboot of of the the franchise in a way, or um, going from going from TV to going from movie to going to a TV series. That's a good way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, other thoughts on that, M. Dave? Love, love, love the whole Egypt thing. I mean, going back to you know the, the whole ancient Egypt. Um, that there's parts of the galaxy that are kind of modeled after ancient Egypt. That the bad guys are modeled after the Egyptian gods. Um, it it just makes a great storytelling. Right. Plus, plays into the mythos that sometimes comes up with that the pyramids were built by aliens. Right. It, 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 <laughs> it playing it, with that whole idea. It does play into that. Um, <laughs> Aliens is the answer. It's always the answer. <laughs> yeah. Well, you mentioned. No, I mean, it, go ahead. I was going to say the, the uh, as far as as how this the pilot sets up the rest of the series. I mean, the 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 battle against the gold system lords that lasted for the first what seven eight seasons. Yeah. Yeah, they were still still dealing with them. Um, setting up Teal's Jaffa revolution against, against their slave masters, you know, the, the hunt for Shuri and, and, uh, Skara and the way that that played out. Yeah. It, it, it really did set the groundwork for the bulk of the show and everything building on top of it. As it went along, they did a good job of keeping that rolling. I do like that not everything's resolved here. Like, Teal obviously becomes a member of SG-1, but here at the end of this uh, Children of Gods, he's not. He's still kind of, we aren't sure what we're going to do with this guy because he was a guy fighting for the enemy. Yep. Um, I I did think about how first time off-world and what O'Neill does is brings through all these refugees. And uh, whether that was the most logical thing to do, I don't know. I just thought about, I'm like, would the military really appreciate us bringing tons of new people in first time off world? It's not first time, but second, you know, first time to a new planet. But I don't know. Well, I do love that the way that they got Tim to trust who was coming through the gate was throwing the box of Kleenex. Yeah, that was awesome. Oh, there's some fun. That was really, it was very in character for them to do that. Like, especially with Daniel. Yeah. Send more. <laughs> Funny was um, Hammond's uh, smarmy um, second in command, uh, uh, Major Samuel's like, well, what if, what if that, 
and props goes to that guy. You, you never, you know, you always hate. That's the guy you hate. You were supposed to hate him, and he did a good job of making us hate him. But he said something about, you know, what if, you know, what if this goes to the enemy, and then O'Neill says, "Well, they're probably blowing their nose right now." <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and again, it was those type, those types of one-liners that um, Richard Dean Anderson threw off permeated the ten seasons, and they were great. They were part of what made him that character. And that's the kind of show it was. I mean, it, it is science fiction. Some of it's a little serious, and some, but most of it's there is just to have fun. I mean, yeah, some, of is, cheek. some of it is some of it. You know, you just turn your brain off and just go with it. I mean, yeah. um, you know, just when you think you're in Kansas, you're in Kansas. Exactly. Exactly. It, even my voicemail notification sound is O'Neill screaming, "Oh, for crying out loud!" <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, that's great. That's great. I noticed that um, Teal did not say the word "indeed" in this episode. He didn't say much at all. <laughs> no, oh. you know this is his trademark line. Indeed, yeah. indeed, indeed. Someone I saw someone counted up how many times he does it in Stargate. It's like 150, 160 times. Not the series. Um, Poor guy. Yeah, I know. And, and you love you love the inside joke to it in uh, Atlantis when him and Ronan are together. And he does the indeed. And Ronan turns and looks at him. You say that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> he just raises the eyebrow and walks off. <laughs> oh man! The other person I liked seeing that I forgot was a part of the pilot was Walter, the gate, the guy that runs. The oh gate. yeah, he's he, he did like he was he was like the <laughs> gatekeeper throughout the entire series. <laughs> like that's his only job is mm-hmm. to run the gate. Right. I he, say Chevron ones encoded, <laughs> and then I follow it up with. Chevron one is locked. <laughs> they like having that around. <laughs> did he ever get off world in the series? Nope. I want to say that he, he never did. Only in that. Well, they did that 200th episode where, and this is the spoof, the spoof in the spoof. One. That, that's the one that's in our intro. Um, Bo Bridges um, invites Walter go along and Walter says, well, I, I'm not dressed. He goes, no, Walter, you look fine. And so Walter leaves the, um, Control room. He walks out. He's got tactical gear. He's got a helmet on. He's ready to, you know, go across, you know, go, go through the Stargate. That's the only the only time he ever does it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought there was one episode he did that, and they were having some fun with it. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's his job. <laughs> but it was neat to see him in this episode. I guess is what I was saying. So, yeah. What the movie? I mean, in, in this one, they, they go back to the movie. We get to see. Um, the ring transporter back at the end. Yes. Um, I always loved that. The, the, it's the cool. elevator. It's like, that's kind of, um, yeah. Apophis and his new, well, his wife and entourage. Um, you know, I, I guess there's some distance between the Stargate and where they were. So they, you know, they drop some off there. And then, uh, um, we'll, we'll get to see the death gliders a little later. In the, right. So it's a great, great battle scene between um, uh, the Air Force and uh, Apophis's uh, forces. Can I just say that how genius of an idea? Um, obviously, we were captured by the Stargate in the original movie, but when you bring it to a TV series, um, in much way, Sliders was the Stargate was a vehicle for them to. So many stories because each week you could go to a new planet 
see new people at different stages of development, uh, run into new villains, catch your villains in different settings. The Stargate was a wonderful vehicle to tell um, the story of SG-1. Um, mm-hmm. Just because, again, it, 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 such a variety of storytelling. Yeah, you could, you could, it could be more like an ancient Egypt society. It could be ancient Norse society. Steampunk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're all humans too. The some the, the the gold took a bunch of humans from Earth and repopulated the the Milky Way galaxy with, with them and used them for slave labor, worshippers, and uh, hosts. Yeah, absolutely, you know it was, a, it was a brilliant concept. You didn't have to use space. I mean, they did use spaceships at, at different times, but most of the time you didn't have to. You could just uh, it was, it, from from a creative budgetary. Sort of thing. It was, um, it, it was a good way to tell the story, expo- yeah. explore the galaxy, um, and, and do it in present day. You didn't. I mean, you. Didn't, I mean, other shows do it in the future. This this did it in present day, which was yeah, uh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Dave, were you going to say something? No, no. I uh, I did love it when they they the SGC finally built some spaceships. And I forget who it was was on there talking to Jack and said, "No, we can't name it the Enterprise." <laughs> that was Carter. <laughs> <laughs> that was Carter. Yeah. And that would be something Jack would do. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I don't know what else. Anything else that we need to say about this? I think we did a good job talking about it. You have some quotes down. Do you want to share any of them, Miles? Well, we could look at some. Yeah, some some of the the dialogue, but we could also just kind of. Maybe talk about the di- maybe the differences between the original movie and, and Children of the Gods. See if we like them. See if or or didn't like them beyond beyond the actors. You mean because we kind of did talk about like the different actors. Well, you, you had different actors, but you also original in the original movie, the Stargate. Uh, the, the Abydos was a planet in a different galaxy. Well, in this, what they did was Abydos was the closest planet. To Earth, that you could reach by Stargate. So they changed that. They they they, cha- they they kept things within our galaxy as far okay, as okay. So they changed the location of Abydos. Yeah, they changed it. It was within our. It's in, it's in our galaxy and the closest planet to us that that we can reach by Stargate in this. You're such a nerd, Miles. I, I am. I didn't even pick up on that. Miles, I think that's awesome that you picked up on that. I and do that too. Is why you are a nerd, and I respect you. Thank yes. you. And I, I was not dissing Miles. I'm just saying I, I was impressed because like. I watched that episode how many times? Never picked up. It was in a different galaxy. So, so. <laughs> yeah. In the in the movie, the symbols on what what they changed from in the movie, the, the, the symbols on a Stargate were different than they were on the Stargate on Earth, and so that was going to cr- give Daniel Jackson a challenge to try to get them back home. Uh, here in the show, moving forward, the symbols are the same. It's more. It's more universal, which would make sense if they're using this, you know, Stargate to go to different planets throughout the uh, um, the galaxy. Does that make sense? I I, I think it. Well, I, I think it does. I mean, if 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 if, if the Stargates were used, they're to- they're based on constellations. Um, and you need the and you need like in the original movie, they do a great job of describing how this plays into sp- spatially. They almost have to be different symbols on different planets. But if those symbols 
I think those symbols represent different constellations. Um, and so you. Yeah, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just yeah. saying I don't. I didn't pay attention to the gate that closely. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, ooh, they're just going somewhere. But well, what what they they, they called the uh, the big thing they use to 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 get the Stargate going. The, the, on the other planets, the Earth didn't have a DHD, but they called right. it a dial home device, right. and so it had to you know had to have familiar symbols on it to to program it to where wherever you wanted to go. But that, but. Difference between the show and and the movie was, and, and in the movie it, it was an issue for Daniel Jackson to try to to try to get the get them back home. That would be. Uh, I feel it's a bit of a weak point in the TV series, personally. Okay, well, so so you 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 would say they, I would say you need like each each mm-hmm. each each planet needs to have its own kind of home address, mm-hmm. kind of like your own phone number. You have a seven digit phone number. Well, I guess nine, whatever it is now, but. But originally a seven-digit phone number, right? And that uniquely dials you. And in, in the same way, Abydos dialed Earth through that unique number, but then the cartouche showed, you know, a gazillion other addresses that were different symbols. Well, the gate had thirty-nine symbols on it, so so it gave them an infinite amount. So if they mm-hmm. did do the same, I guess maybe it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Probably not. But that, I'm trying to. Th- I mean. You had to hit six symbols or seven symbols or whatever. Take take. Yeah, that, the that, seventh that, is always like boom beacon. Okay. But here's well, the, they were using the wrong the wrong book for translation. I mean, come on. Right. Oh, true. <laughs> that's a nice that's a nice Daniel moment from the movie that right. I don't know if I picked up if they did anything like that again in the series. Like, let him have this like I know this back it up kind of moment. Oh, the the base that that was in the movie. It was it's a fictional base, but it was sort of um, modeled after uh, Cheyenne Mountain. Here here in the show, they just call it Cheyenne. I mean, it's it, it's Cheyenne Mountain. They don't uh, try to hide what it is, and they actually right. they actually filmed some scene interior shots. They they were allowed to film some interior shots to kind of make it look um, authentic, which I thought was 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 very effective. Um, in in the TV show, we don't. I mean, as far as what a gold is, it, it, it's not clear. Except there's a scene when Ra's dying, you kind of see this other alien being inside him. It, it, the TV show kind of developed the idea that the gold were these kind of like snake-like beings that um, would take a on take on a, a host to uh, you know do whatever they wanted yeah. to do. Just I, I did a little little quick, and I think you're right that since we're all in one galaxy here, all the uh, all the symbols are one the same on each one. But then with like Stargate Atlantis, it was a new network of Stargates, and right. in the universe, it was another set of Stargates yet beyond that. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how they worked it in the show. But well, very good. But I, I think mo- most of those changes probably worked better for the show, as far as um, you know, kind of keeping it, keeping it in the galaxy, and what they did with the gold that they were these snake-like beings that could uh, the way they could take over somebody. Did we in the movie? And M, you, you maybe remember, maybe someone else remembers here. 
Did we ever see the guon in the movie? Like the actual creatures in the stomach? Or did we not see that till Children of the Gods? I don't think we saw it till Children of the Gods. I yeah. don't remember seeing the true guon, like those tiny little way too like stereotypical alien looking critters. I mean, we get, Maybe we, we got a glimpse. We, we, get, we, get not, a, we get a glimpse that like Ra is an alien. We really know that he's not human. But mm. and that and I think there was hints that he was a there was a creature, but I don't know. Yeah, there's there, there's a fan theory that maybe the first creature that Ra inhabited was a goal. No, no, it was a uh, Asgard. It almost the alien. I don't know if it's a deleted scene, but it's, but when the nuclear explosion goes off, you briefly see the, the this alien yes, being inside him. Exactly. And and some had theorized yes. maybe, maybe it's an actual maybe Ra possessed an Asgard at one time, but no, that was never really clear. But what what, what they said in the movie was that yeah, I mean. Uh, the, the, the human Ra was just this was was just this host, and he said, "We can fix this thing. It, you, you, your your species is easy to repair." I mean, that, they 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 did have the um, sarcophagus in uh, uh, the movie. Mm. Um, well, it's interesting, you know, to kind of think think through. It kind of wigged me out when the creature went in desk. Share, I'm like, oh, oh, I'm like, okay, I don't need to see that. The berry burrows in the back of her neck. Yeah, gross. Yeah. All right, is there anything else we uh, want to talk about? Did you want to share some of the? Uh, do you have any other differences you want to highlight, or you want to go no. into some of your quotes? Uh, I, I, another another ridiculous over the top thing with the gold is their eyes flash. They what they do to distort their voice to make them sound otherworldly and you know maybe sound like a a god, so to speak, uh, I thought was, was very effective. Uh, oh yeah, uh, I mean it worked. It worked great in the movie, the original movie, and it worked worked still in in in, in this. Uh, but yeah, let's look at some let's look at some uh, quotes. Yeah, does anyone else have any? I don't have any quotes here, but Miles looked up some. You want to just share like two or three? Okay. Um, oh, here we go. Another scientist, General. Please, Carter says a theoretical phys. Theoretical astrophysicist, which means, and Hammond says, which means she's smarter than you, Colonel. Yeah, so, I, I love that. That <laughs> even that Hammond, he's, he he keeps his professional demeanor, but at the same time, if he can get a dig on O'Neill, he he does. Right. Right. Totally. It's not like, and it's almost like like O'Neill's there, but it's like he's there only because he was a part of the Stargate, the original Stargate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Carter, so you're saying Ra is not the last of his race after all? Kowalski says, maybe he's got a brother, Ray. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That was awesome. Go ahead. Give us uh, us your last one. Okay. Um, General Hammond, you ever think of writing a book about your exploits in the line of duty? Jack O'Neill says, I thought about it, but then I'd have to shoot anyone that actually read it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Again, O'Neill has some great one-liners. The whole introduction into uh, Samantha Carter's interesting when they bring her on, and uh, you you see uh, O'Neill kind of resistance because she's a scientist. Um, 
and uh, they kind of question her, 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 her chops, and she kind of puts them in her place. You know, it's, mm-hmm. uh, um, and she's clearly trying to prove herself not only to Neil, but then even to Daniel Jackson later on when they, she encounters Daniel, and they're talking all sciencey stuff on it. Um, and that's kind of fun to see. I, I think them two bond over the fact that they're more in, they're they're both scientists, different disciplines, but at the same time, yeah, they they speak a very similar language, and so they complement each other in, in their respective fields. But she's the one in this episode that seems to be trying to prove prove herself to everyone in the team, right? Well, this is. Uh, this is the late nineties. I don't think women were allowed in combat yet. Uh, I don't know if they could fly fighter planes yet or not. When so. did that, I forget when that happened. That was in the two thousands. Yeah, I think in the two thousands. And do you remember? Looking it up now. <laughs> so I, this is probably still a time where women were trying to prove themselves in the military. So this would be so very the fact time. That, so the fact they brought her in from the military was actually a really good statement. Yes. Yeah. Prior to this. Well, and 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 the show warned. Thanks, uh, the military did not open fighter jet flights to women until 1993. Women eventually began to enter U.S. major commercial aviation in the 70s and 80s. So it was in the 90s. So they would have had some, but still, it was a statement. Yeah. Well, but as far as um, ground combat, I, don't, I mean, I don't know when that that didn't happen till. Yeah, I thought that was a bit more recent. Yeah. Women can serve in most areas of the military except riot control. They have been allowed in submarines, including nuclear submarines, since 2014. Women are allowed to serve in combat infantry. Right. I yeah. knew that was going to be the next question. Yeah. Do we know when? Do we know when that started the combat infantry? Um, looking that up now. Yeah, as far fine. back as the Revolutionary War, there were women in infantry. Okay. Um. Women were deployed in Afghanistan in 2009. Um, I think it became terrorist attacks on September 11th of 2001 was a pivotal point for women in the military. As the Army's mission changed in Iraq and Afghanistan, the roles of women changed in the ranks. Okay. Um, so Maybe that's it, was, it was, yeah, like very, very late very late nineties into the, into this century is when they started seeing women as equals as in, in, as soldiers, as opposed to liabilities. Right. Now, not that I have an opinion about that. Yeah. (laughs) You have an opinion. So I know shocker, right? I know. So it's very timely. (laughs) where her character was and her trying to prove herself to her peers and everything. But the show wanted to have a strong female character, which I thought was very effective in the show. I think, uh, um, she inspired probably a lot of, a lot of women throughout the run of the series. I was super happy to see, to see a female, a lead female, but then like, as I, I'm sure I'm going to find this as I watch now, like 20 something years, 30 something years, um, just how they treated her and how they talked to her and how she had to fight for herself. Right. As a, as, it was really annoying. And I remember when we interviewed, um, uh, Amanda Tapping. Amanda Tapping um, I, that was a highlight of my, of my con. And I, I'm, I'm going to speak for you, Miles, and I'm going to say it was yours as well. <laughs> 
yeah, you're probably you, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> we we were both giddy just talking to her and and she I remember asking her about being a strong female like character in a time where that wasn't a big that wasn't possible unless it was some stupid like chick show on the CW. And she was, she, I mean, I, I would have to go back and listen to it, but I remember her speaking to it like it's as a labor of love, but also kind of annoyed that she had to work so hard for what she had. She being the character, not Amanda Tapping. And I and I hear that. And it was great then that, you know, beyond, you know, both with uh, Sanctuary and then with, um, you know, stuff she's done since, you know, that she's, she has broken out lead character in many of the shows. So, well, I mean, Stargate did give her character. Um, I, I thought they gave her a lot to work with. I mean, she, 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 she will see her get promoted a few times. Um, she'll, she'll be, she'll be the commander on Atlantis for a season. She'll get her own ship, which we'll see. Um, I don't know if we ever see her with her ship in Atlantis, but we see it in, in Stargate Universe. They give her um, – she commands one of the, uh, the those those battleships. Um, so we do see her character achieve a lot, I think. Good. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Well, um, so real quickly here as we kind of look at wrapping up the show here um, – was um, the question I'm asking was this a good pilot to set off the series? And we can just it doesn't need to be a long answer, but a short answer. Dave, why don't you start us out? Did you felt that did you feel this was a good pilot to start to launch this series? Yes, all right. And um, how about you? I know you did not watch a whole series, but for the two seasons, was this a good start other than the fact you fell asleep three times? But uh, was it a good start <laughs> to the actual two seasons that you did watch? It was it was a really great amuse bouche to get me interested in the rest in the rest of the season. Right. So the fact that you quit watching it was more with the direction the series was taking, you know, in season two and less than the pilot. I just didn't yeah. No. I just didn't it didn't grab me. It wasn't for me. Like it could be now. Like yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh Miles, how about you? Yes, I think as just as pilots go for sci-fi series, uh, I think I th- it works. Um, I think it still holds up today. Um, yeah, better stop talking or else I won't. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and this is one of the things, like, if they said we are doing another Stargate series, not the Origins crap they put out earlier. Um, <laughs> the 10 episodes of Origins, which were cute and all the little 10-minute things, but if they did like a series with a, with a, like another, they said, you know, this is like SG, whatever, or, you know, whatever they're going to do with it. Like I'd be on board. Cause I really enjoyed the stories. I would love and to see Stargate come I'd back in some form. Star- yeah. I would love to see Stargate come back. Mm-hmm. And there's been rumors of like a, a second and third movie coming down the pike that Roland Emmerich was going to do. I watch them too. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 that, that's another question. I mean, I, 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 I would love to see Stargate come back. I think they're, they're, the franchise has still got a lot of power. I mean, you go to a sci-fi convention, um, especially the, the two you and I go to. People uh, still dress up. They still bring actors in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's still mm-hmm. still a lot of love for that series. So I, I, I think it still has a lot. They still do with it. All right, very good. 
Well, thank you for joining us on us on this kind of uh, reminiscing of the Stargate pilot, looking at how it impacted the show, how it changed in the movie, and all sorts of things. We would love to hear your thoughts. If you have any of your thoughts you want to share regarding the Stargate pilot, how it impacted you in the show. You can email them to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast at gmail.com or just post a comment to us on Facebook or on Twitter, and we'll make sure to share it on our next show. Well, uh, the next time, in about a month, we're going to do our next pilot. And uh, so, uh, Em, do you want to tell us what our next pilot's going to be in about a month? Yes, if I don't screw it up because it's a tongue twister. Oh, that, that's why this... I gave it to you? I'm just kidding. I, did, I forgot that <laughs> that happened. I forgot that that happened. <laughs> the Sarah Connor, no, the Sarah Connor, fudge, <laughs> the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Yes, so Terminator. Sarah Connor Chronicles, Sarah Connor Chronicles, Sarah Connor Chronicles, <gasps> three times fast. <laughs> <laughs> boom, boom. Sorry. <laughs> that was really hard. Yeah, it is. That is really hard. That's I quite an achievement. Say. It is. It's like, I'm proud of you, Adam. Really proud. Despite speaking three languages pretty fluently, there are still words like like the place where they make beer. I can't say that word. Brewery. I can't say brewer. No, it is. It's a hard word. It's a hard word to say. I I, I get that. I get that. I I feel. So it's hard. Yeah. No, I. Yeah. So so so. Anyways, Terminator, Sarah Connor Chronicles. We'll talk about that series ran for what two seasons? Three? It only ran for two seasons. Two, two seasons. Sadly, two seasons. Two seasons. And then Fox was stupid and canceled a good show yes, again. Yes. You said like they've never done that before. No, that was the first time they ever did that. <laughs> Fox is not actually. Fox has got a little bit better with that, but. but, <laughs> but. All right. Well, I, I think that this is good. I saw Emmy threw in the uh, renewals thing. Maybe we can dialogue about that on the next show. Oh, for our listeners. Yeah, so, yeah. well, I was going to take this offline. I was going to say, like, we have. Are we? Are you? Are you planning to do a show to talk about what's coming for the fall? What's new? What's canceled? What's ending? Yeah. Why don't we? Like if, why why don't we, we do that? Our next episode, we'll do that kind of pre. Any news stories that drop, we can also talk about, but maybe make this the bulk of the show, and then we'll just, you know, we'll do the interview afterwards. Awesome make, sauce. Yeah. All right. I'll edit that out. So, Miles, uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, take us out of the show? Before I do that, uh, if listeners, if you need more Stargate, uh, we reviewed the original movie a few years back. We also have interviews with uh, Richard Dean Anderson, uh, Minna Tapping, um, Christopher Judge. Um, and some other fine people from Stargate on our past shows. Uh, well, Apophis. Apophis. Uh, and Ball. We did, yes, we did interview that's two system lords. And Vanessa Angel, which we interviewed but didn't actually ever release. <laughs> uh, but she was on, um, I think. Uh, the first the first uh, commander for um, Stargate Atlantis. Yeah, so like we, some of the supplemental series like Stargate Atlantis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and universe, I didn't wasn't sure we were going to consider them separate series, but you know, mm-hmm. we, we did interview a bunch of people. So if you if you need more Stargate uh, listeners, uh, we 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 do have some in our. I bet we've interviewed almost twenty people that have been associated with Stargate. Interesting. So a lot of people there. All right. Till next. So to take us out. Till next time. Good night and good luck. We'll see ya. To your dailies. Go boldly. 
If you've enjoyed the conversation, the owners of this establishment would love to hear from you. Send your comments and feedback to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast at gmail.com or join our Facebook page at facebook.com slash sci-fi diner. song, Photosynthesis, was created by Cool Cat, whose music can be found on YouTube. For more information on his music, please contact the Sci-Fi Diner podcast.